Are we blessed or what? Amen. How many of you this morning have ever had one of those things called a portfolio? You know, raise your hands. We want to see who's got money. The ushers are going to come talk. No, I'm just kidding. Now, when we talk about investing and investments, you know, and you watch television, you see those silly infomercials where you have William Debane come and he, he tells you, what's in your safe? You know, and he holds up a gold coin and he says, you know, if you'd just invested in gold, you would have gotten an 85% increase in all of your, you know, all those kind of things. When we talk about investing, very often what we're really looking at is, is what kind of return we can get on that investment, Amen. Hopefully you're not investing your money in something that that guarantees that you're going to lose it. That's kind of silly. But you realize that as the body of Christ, you're making a heavenly investment? And it pays amazing dividends. The book of Ephesians is your portfolio. tells you what's going on in your life because of who you are in Christ. And this morning, our introduction, this amazing heavenly portfolio that we have in Christ Jesus, because we are blessed. And if you turn there to the book of Ephesians, the first three verses this morning in our introduction, and it says there, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of this. We are blessed. Lord, it's a, it's a past tense view that we have. You have blessed us. You are blessing us. You will continue to bless us. Lord, because your word declares it. And so God, this morning as we open your word, as we study it, we ask your spirit, Lord, to move in this place. Pray that you would touch us, that you'd work in our lives, Lord, to let us know exactly how rich we really are in Jesus. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You see, the Christian life is actually an investment. The Christian life is actually an investment. And here's what it's an investment of it's an investment of your time, of your talent, and of your treasure. Three things. Because every one of us, as we came in this morning, has those things at our disposal. Now, you may be limited on perhaps your talents, you may be limited on your treasure, but we all have exactly the same amount of time, amen? Every one of us wakes up, we've got a fresh 24-hour day to look at. Some of us wish they were 12, others wish they were 36, but they're 24. You have time, you have talent, you have treasure, which you are investing in something. Let me show you how that works. You see, when you get up in the morning, most of you probably have a job, and as you go to that job, you're investing your time and your talent, and you're hoping to get some treasure, amen? (laughs) Sometimes the treasure's a little nil, but you're, you're investing in that work opportunity. 
you do exactly the same thing in Christ. You take the time that you have, and it's invested for the Lord. You take the talents you have, it is invested for the Lord. And you take the treasure that you have, and it is invested for the Lord for His kingdom. And in this book, we find out what kind of return we get on that investment. Because there is an amazing return on that investment. And it is eternal. It's not one of those things where you wake up in the morning and go, man, I I had 12 bucks yesterday, I've only got six now. It is an eternal investment that pays dividends into eternity. As you look at a portfolio, you you, you think on what that is. It's basically just a list of your investments and how they perform, amen? You you look at it, and I've got this Euro-Pacific growth fund, and it... Gave me a negative 11.25%. And, and here's this other fund that you place monies in. And you have already invested your time. You have already invested your talent. And now you've taken your treasure and you've invested that. And it pays some kind of dividend, hopefully. Not much since 2008. But, you know, it's climbing a little bit. But I can tell you this. Your investment that you're making in your life in Christ is absolutely going to pay amazing dividends. They're called blessings. What God is doing in our life. And so this, spiritually speaking, this introductory passage as the Apostle Paul is speaking to us, he's basically going to tell us uh, about our rate of return. He's going to give us a view into the future. And notice what it goes on to say in verse 1. It says, Paul. If you have a New Living Translation, it it interprets it this way. Uh, This letter is from Paul. Just saying. It's from Paul. Paul writes this letter. You know, some people always say, well, what version do you use? I use the New King James normally, but I like to look at various translations, kind of find out what the, you know, the bigwigs are thinking. This is from Paul. Paul writes it. And so we can expect this letter to kind of help us understand a Pauline view uh, of the blessings that we have in, in Christ. Now, we must remember that he wasn't always Paul. He used to be Saul of Tarsus. Amen? And he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And so in matters of the law, the word says he was spotless, he was blameless. He was this guy who lived a rather legalistic lifestyle, so much so that he was actually a Pharisee. He was a legalist. He was also a member of the Sanhedrin, so the ruling religious court of the Jewish people. They met in that very long colonnaded building on the south end of the Temple Mount. And so he was actually a Jewish attorney. He was somebody who not only fully understood the law, but fully engaged in the law. And yet he is now going to tell us how blessed we are in Christ. That's a pretty amazing transformation in somebody's life, amen? You take someone who was a Hebrew of Hebrews and you set him free in that new relationship with Jesus. And so he's been called, it says. It it, it expresses it this way, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. And so here is this amazing guy that we call Paul. You see, that was his Roman name. And so identified is he with Christ that he goes on to use a Gentile name. That's a very striking thing for a Jewish member of the Pharisees to do. 
because he's really making the differentiation that he would go on to share with us. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So much so that I'm even going to change my name to a Roman name. And look, you can know me as Paul. You see, he had an amazing heritage. He got named after Saul, the first king of Israel, amen? So here's this guy who's, it would be like you name your children, you know, I name my kids George Washington Gill. If you got named Saul of anywhere as a Hebrew, that was like being named George Washington, the first king. And he says, I want you to know me as, as Paul. Why is that? Because of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. Amen? Because he was an apostle. He met Jesus on that road there in Acts chapter 9, didn't he? he he's walking down. He's booking it. Okay? Here's the apostle. We don't know what he looked like. We know from what we have heard that perhaps he was kind of short and not very attractive. You know, he's kind of one of those guys that you would have probably passed by. He, you weren't going to find him in GQ or anything like that. But he's, he's on the road. He's going to Damascus. And why is he going there? He wants to go kill Christians. Amen? He, he was breathing, it says, threats and murder. He's like, going to kill me some, going to kill me some. I'm on the road, going to kill me some more Christians. Yeah, he had a little dance, a little song. He was doing something. We don't know. But he encountered Jesus. Amen? And he fell as what? A dead man. He's on his face before the Lord. He's like, oh. You see, that's what grace does, doesn't it? You know, when you encounter the grace of God, it's, it's going to strike the old man dead. That's what happened to Paul. That's the man that writes this letter, this transformed man who now is known by his Roman name. You see, Paul was called to, for a special work. He was going to take the word. Now, this is where it, it, it so shows, if there was ever a case of God choosing a man instead of the man choosing God, it's the Apostle Paul. Amen? Be, because this guy, he is a Hebrew of Hebrews, and, and God, in his sense of humor, says, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Amen? Isn't that crazy how God works? You know, you've got all this life experience, all these things that maybe God's been doing in your life. You've invested your time, your talent, your treasure. You've got all this stuff going on in your life. And God says, I'm going to use you in something completely different than you know. Can you imagine? Can you think of a couple of reasons why that might be? Let me give you one that's really important. Because when it's not of you, it has to be of him. He gets the glory. All of a sudden, the Lord is at work in your life and in my life, and he takes your life, these things that you used to be, this stuff you used to be able to do because you're just good at it. You know, by trade, I'm actually a contractor. By trade. And so I'm pretty good at those kind of things. And so God takes this guy who's got construction skills, and instead of using me in construction, he, he has me teach Junior hires. Junior hires are... Well, they're not human. <laughs> it takes them a while to turn back into humans. And then they reach high school age, and then they're kind of sort of human, but they're, they're obnoxious humans. I know patience for that. 
So what does God do? He, he takes us out of our comfort zone, those things that we can do because we're just simply good at them, and he puts us in places where we absolutely desperately need for God's touch to be on our lives every moment of every day. And one of the things that I love most about the Apostle Paul is he was about as imperfect as we'll find uh, of God's servants. Uh, his, his starting point was not really all that great, amen? Uh, he's going to do exactly the wrong thing. He's going to kill the very people that he's supposed to minister to. And that's where God catches him. That's where God finds him. That's where God calls him. And he says, look, I, I want to set you apart. I, I want to make you a faithful saint. I, I want you to go then speak to those people who are in Ephesus, a, a city that, frankly, is a lot like the one that we live in here. And that was a little interesting tidbit. There was a young girl who was visiting a church. And for those of you that grew up in denominational churches, I, I grew up in a, in a Baptist church that had stained glass down both sides of the sanctuary and actually above the platform. And she, she was asked the question, you know, what's a saint? And she said, it's the ones whom the light shines through. Because when you looked at those stained glass windows, like in our church, there was Peter and Paul, and there was who we kind of think of were saints. She's actually right. Because every last one of you in here this morning who is in Christ is a saint. The ones whom the light shines through. That's what Paul became. He became a vehicle, a vessel. He became a stained glass window through whom the Lord could shine his light. And when you're a broken window, when you're a shattered window, when you're a messed up window and the Lord heals you and ministers in your life, you have an even greater opportunity at times to let the light shine through because you didn't start out beautiful like stained glass. And that's not to encourage any of you to go out and build up your testimony by hitting the bar this afternoon. I actually had a guy say, well, I'm just building my testimony. <laughs> no, bro, you're, you're dipping Jesus in dirt. <laughs> yeah, we are saints. Paul was a saint. We have the opportunity to let the Lord shine through us. And so a saint is really someone whose life, whose speech, whose actions, attitudes, relationships, all allow the world to see Jesus. Every bit of it. doesn't matter where you are. And so whether you're on the road to Damascus, or whether you're on the road to the grocery store, or whether you're in Starbucks, or whether you're out in the parking lot, or maybe at work or at home, you have the opportunity for the Lord to shine through you. That was the Apostle Paul. And so he writes this letter, notice continuing in verse 1, that he's writing to this church in Ephesus. Now Ephesus was a very, very carnal city. It was on the coast, actually probably located more, more importantly uh, on the coast, but it was located between what is now modern-day Syria and modern-day Turkey. It's really kind of on the border of those two countries. It was north of Jerusalem. 
It was one of five major cities that the Romans had designated as the seat of a proconsul. In other words, you would go there, that was like a, a Roman seat of power. And so there would be an emissary there from Rome. And if you went on the Roman road system, if you participated uh, in, and were a beneficiary of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, in these places you would go there, you would have your goods inspected, you would pay taxes to the Rome to Rome, and then you would go on your way. It was a center of commerce. It was a center of trade. But it was also, much like the city that we live in, a very sensual, a very sexual, a very seductive place. And in it was the great temple of Artemis, or Diana. And those who worshipped at that temple, that temple worshipped a heathen goddess. And she was basically the goddess of nature and procreation. And she was often shown, and if you, if you were to Google it, and by the way, we are looking into upgrading these screens to 16 by 9 in HD so that we can actually show you photos and things of that nature. But if you, if you Google the statues of Diana, you'll see something that it looks like if Hugh Hefner had designed the Oscar, that's what it would look like. <laughs> Need I say more? Vulgar, vile. And it was those little images that the silversmiths in Ephesus recorded in the book of Acts. It was those images that they were making to sell to people who passed through Ephesus so they would go up and worship at the temple of Diana. You see, they were very much in a place that was overtly an attack on your Christian faith. Anybody feel that attack today? As you wake up this morning and go, man, I don't even know how I'm going to go to work on Monday. It's just such a mess. The world is like that still to this day. That city eventually fell under Persian control. That temple of Diana was burned to the ground. And so great was the temple of Diana that it was actually rebuilt. So the temple that would have been standing there in Paul's day was actually the second temple to Diana. It was even larger. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. You can visit the ruins of it today if you travel to that area of modern-day Turkey now. It used to be in Syria. You can go visit that temple. It was huge, but it was also filthy and vulgar. And so to do business in that city it was almost imperative, incumbent, if you will, upon you to begin to live your life in such a way that you made no enemies with those who lived in the city. If you wanted to buy, you wanted to sell, you wanted to be in that city, you needed to live like they lived. And so these were Christians who were persecuted every day for their faith. Notice what it says, faithful in Christ Jesus. It's hard, amen, to live right side up in this upside down world, isn't it? Uh, maybe it's not for you, it is for me. I'll say amen to my own statement. <laughs> Driving down the freeway and your eyes are assaulted with billboards, aren't they? You don't even have to get out of your car. moment you walk into work, the words begin to flow, and they're not the words of Jesus. Amen? 
You go to do your taxes. You're actually punished for telling the truth, aren't you? (laughs) Amen? I'm sitting there doing my taxes. I'm actually being punished for being married for nearly 40 years. I was joking with a guy one time. He said, yeah, my wife and I, we're getting a divorce. We're just going to live together. (laughs) Of course, I'm kidding, but you are actually punished for being married, amen? You're punished for having children now. You get the place. The, The place that we live in is a whole lot like Ephesus. And yet notice how this short passage finishes up for us this morning. You see, as we're faithful in Christ, we don't even have to worry about God's response because He is faithful, amen? He's actually faithful when we are faithless, amen? You see, that's where we are in Christ. And so in this upside-down world, in this place that we live that's a whole lot like Ephesus, we can count on Him being faithful. And so our response is, then we are faithful. It's like, Lord, you've been faithful to me. I'm going to be faithful to you. You see, one of the things that we admire in in the world in general is faithfulness. Amen? How much more so should we be faithful in Christ? If we're faithful to friends, if we're faithful to work, if we're faithful to family, if, if we're faithful to the... Los Angeles Clippers, may they win today. <laughs> Lob City. Yeah, isn't it crazy? We're fa- You've seen who I'm talking about, right? The people that go, you know, it doesn't matter what sport team you're talking about. People show up and their faces are painted and their hair is straight up in the air and it's a different color. You look at their car, you can't even see them inside of it because of the bumper stickers and the flags hanging out. We're faithful to all kinds of things. How about us being faithful to Jesus? Because he's worthy because he is faithful to us no matter what we do. I'm pretty sure Blake ain't coming to my house today. (laughs) And actually that faithfulness is only available to us because of the faithfulness of our Savior. That's what we love about Him. Probably all of us have experienced walking in grace. Notice what it says. He's given us grace. He's given us peace. He, he has given us to the Jews the Hebrew word shalom, peace. And remember what Jesus said, the peace I leave with you, the peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you do I give you, but my peace I give to you in John chapter 14. You see, for the world, peace is the cessation of hostility, isn't it? Can I just remind you that while we're here, there will be no cessation of hostility. Not going to happen until Jesus comes again. Amen? Then, then we're going to have real peace. But in the meantime, we can have the peace that he's going to bring individually in us right now. He wants to give us peace. And he wants to give us grace. He wants to give us charis. He, he wants us to understand the unmerited favor that we stand in in Christ. That, that wonderful acronym for grace. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. 
The riches that you have this morning are not because you were really wise and you invested. They're, they're not because you started with some cash and it grew. The investment that you made in Christ Jesus was that you said yes to the gospel message. That's it. Faith came by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and by grace and through faith. And that faith was a gift. We're going to see that in Ephesians 2.8. Amen? It's a gift. You were given the gift of God's peace. You were given the gift of God's grace. When you said yes to Jesus, you now walk in that peace. You walk in that grace. We're free. We have unmerited. We have unexpected love. I've had some unexpected love poured out on me this last week, my wife and I. Where people just come up and, you know, maybe it's a card or just a kind statement. Doesn't that kind of thing just make your heart melt? It does mine. It does mine. Do you know that the Lord does that to you every day? Unexpected, unearned, unmerited love is poured out on you every day in Jesus Christ as Lord. You should feel blessed because you are blessed. It's not something you earn. It's not something you work towards. It's not something that maybe over time you're going to end up blessed. There are a lot of Christians that do that. We call that works, amen? They think that by works, they just hang out long enough in the church and they do enough stuff that eventually they'll wake up and they're going to be blessed. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you enter into the blessed club. And the blessings grow from there because you turn around and start investing in the kingdom, your time, your talent, your treasure. And all of a sudden, blessings that you didn't know before, you now know because you invested your time, your talent, your treasure. You spend a little bit of time ministering to those young people. You spend a little bit of time in children's ministry. You begin to act out your faith in the world. All of a sudden at work, you're talking to that person that you don't even know, and you're sharing Christ with them, and they, all of a sudden, the light goes on, boom, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and they give their life to Christ. Amen? That's how it works. That's a blessing. You support that missionary that's in the field. Then you hear how that orphanage got started. And then you understand. You hear because you're engaged in it. You know it. It's part of you. Those things are real. That's what we're to do with our lives in Christ Jesus. We're to invest. And the result of that, you start blessed and you get more blessed. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of investment I like. I start really a good investment, and it gets absolutely better because over here at the end is heaven. Amen? So you go from heaven on earth to heaven in heaven. That's a pretty good deal. It's not like William Devane with his little coin. He says, what's in your safe? Look, I've been around long enough that I remember when gold was $18 an ounce, Okay? 18 bucks an ounce. I remember back in the 70s, the big, the last big, huge gold swing. And it went up to $832 an ounce, from 18 to $832 an ounce. And people are wandering around with gold coins, like, yes, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And then what happened? It went back to $18 an ounce. 
Things like that come and go. They, they, they ebb and flow because they're part of this world. Amen? That's why Jesus said, lay up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. But know this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Where you invest your time, your talent, your treasure, where that is, if it's in heavenly things, then that's where your heart's at. We need to get that this morning. Because when we start living that way, God will use us as saints to let the light shine through us so we transform this world for Christ. That's what will happen. He heaps praise upon praise, goodness upon goodness. As we begin to go through this list, and it begins actually in verse 4. This monumental list. And it's actually the longest sentence ever recorded in ancient Greek. And it is a single sentence that is this long eulogy of, pray, of, pray and, of prayer and praise. And what Paul is really saying to us is as we read the rest of these verses all the way down to verse 14, he's saying, look who you are in Christ. You're rich. You may not be rich this morning in money. You may not have a huge house. You, you may not have the things that you even think you should have. But I can tell you who you are in Christ. You are monumentally wealthy because we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. Amen? Don't forget that when you wake up in the morning. You kind of have that, that, that prideful understanding. Look, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. Yeah, maybe you're going to work in the garden today and maybe you don't feel too princely or princessly. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Princess-ish. Princess-like. Maybe you don't feel that way. But you are. We are blessed. We are blessed because we are in Christ. And these blessings are spiritual ones. They're not material. And frankly, every material thing on this earth one day is going to perish. Amen? Yeah, we, we truly cannot take it with us. And it is what we do with it while we're here that actually matters because that's how you store up those eternal blessings. That's how you affect the kingdom. It is what you do for Christ that lasts. I, I can't wait to get to heaven. Now, I'm not looking to go today, unless the Lord wants to rapture his church. If he's done, everybody that's ever going to get saved is saved today, then let's go. Amen? I, I can't wait to get to heaven. And part of that is I can't wait to see what happens with all of the investments that we've made while we've been here. Because they're going to show up in the faces of those that you've ministered to. They're going to show up in the faces of those kids. They're going to show up in the faces of those, the fruit of the mission field. They're going to show up in the faces who say, thank you for investing in the kingdom. Sometimes we experience the tension of this world. That's for sure. Amen? 
I don't know how many of you have ever you know, stepped between a fixed dock and a moving boat, but it's kind of an interesting experience. You know, the boat's kind of going this way, and you're, here's dry land, and it ain't moving. That's kind of the Christian life. Our boat's moving, actually, and one day it's going to set sail, and we're going to end up in heaven. But right now, you've still got one foot on the dock. That's why Jesus reminded us, look there in John 17, he said, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. That's because we're actually blessed. But we're still here. And so while we're still here, we kind of have one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat, and we're waiting for the boat to go so that we can kind of hop onto the boat. The good news is that fare's already been paid. Amen? The ticket's punched. It's in your back pocket. You got it. Got my Jesus ticket. You are blessed. Amen? We are blessed. Amen? We should live blessed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are just so grateful this morning for the wonder of Jesus. Lord, that you've adopted us, that you've made us holy, you've made us blameless, the objects of your love, that you've adopted us as your children, that you've forgiven us our sin, that we've been brought near by your blood, that we belong to you this morning, that we're going to be one day raised because you, Jesus, were raised. Your word declares we're a work of art in you. We have the promise of eternal life. We have freedom. We have confidence to enter into your presence. Lord, all these blessings that you poured out upon us because we are in Christ, we ask God, heap it on us. Bury us in your blessings, Lord. We pray this morning for perhaps those that don't know you. Lord, they've never confessed you. They haven't invited you to come in, to forgive them, to cleanse them, to wash them. We pray that your spirit, even now, would minister the truth of that gospel message. Lord, we pray this morning that as we leave this building, that we'd walk out into that blessed sunlight, looking forward to the day that lies ahead, because indeed, we are blessed. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. It's in the most blessed name of our Savior, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.